2: living life as a gringo where you question where you fit and every time you mingle they say you do this with none of that my rapping is really bad (laughs) this life as a gringo yes hello and welcome to another episode of life as a gringo i am dramos of course it is thursday so it means it's time for our thursday trends episode and helping me break it all down a very special guest in the building she is a multimedia creative, a journalist and host, as seen on uh, a couple of publications you may have heard of like Rolling Stone, the fader, Vibe, High Highsnobiety, and more Jennifer Mora how you feeling feeling good that was a dope-ass intro <laughs> <laughs> I, I I try you know what i'm saying Cause i've been on a I've been on a couple of podcasts where they really just fucked up everything that I do, so I try to show some uh some respect to to set the tone you know.
3: Yeah, very
2: energetic. I fuck with it. <laughs> OK, good, good. So listen, I mean, we're going to be getting into uh, a few different things as we typically do on the show. We're going to get into some of the nonsense from this last week. We'll also talk about someone from our community who's doing some incredible things and getting honored. I mean, so we always start with the the nonsense and we're going to be talking about something I'm consistently feel like I, I speak about, but it needs to be spoken more is this idea of of white supremacy in Hollywood, right? And I know you're somebody who works in entertainment. You've interviewed a slew of different people throughout, you know, the the entertainment industry. This is a a, a problem, uh, and we have a a very prominent actor who's been a part of uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, talking out about this, which I, I want to get into. We're also going to talk about uh, Karens and and how uh, there's a company who's trying to. Use uh, the evil of Karens for good in a way it. that we can all benefit <laughs> from. <laughs> so I, I want to get to that, and then uh, we've we've been seeing everybody kind of like wilding out on social media via memes about the price of eggs. Um, so we're gonna touch on that, and we're gonna kind of dive into what the fuck is going on with uh, eggs right now. I don't know. Are you a, first of all? Are you a big like? Are you a big fan of of eggs for breakfast?
3: I'm not. I feel it's crazy. Cause uh-huh. I grew up in my parents' struggle
2: era,
3: like <laughs> eggs, noodles, and hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I feel like I ate so much of it that
2: right. <laughs> I could turn out yeah, yeah. eggs. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I I feel like I go through phases where I just am disgusted by eggs, and luckily for me, I'm in a phase right now where I'm disgusted by eggs. So I haven't even looked at you know the the price of eggs, yeah, but I'm I'm seeing everything on social media, so. I want to get into the nonsense that is that and then on a the positive side of things. And I guess it's kind of like, you know, uh, half positive. But we do have someone uh, who is the only Latino performer nominated for this year's Oscar. So we'll talk about her uh, and, and dive into to that conversation a bit more. But let's just start out. Let's get all the, the BS, the nonsense out there first. And we'll, we'll do it in a segment called For the People in the Back. Say a lot for the people in the back. All right, so we're gonna start in in Hollywood, right? So we have uh Tenoch Huerta, right, and he is an actor that is in uh the movie Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. And and first and foremost, that movie, everybody's been kind of celebrating it because of the incredible diversity that you saw on screen, uh the Latin representation that you you saw there, and 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 people of of you know uh all different you know walks of the diaspora and and people of color being represented. So there's a lot of Great talk about that. And he was he was talking about, uh, well, talking to Variety specifically about Black Panther's success, right? And he's saying how it's more than a, 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 just a box office hit to them. And he's explaining that the movie's also a game changer because it, quote, proves that producers lie about wanting white faces in films, right? And he's basically saying that the excuse a lot of producers give for the lack of diversity in Hollywood is the fact that the audience you know, just resonates with white faces, right? Those are the only people they can enjoy on a a screen, you know? And he talks about how the media's focus on putting white people on the screen is inherently white supremacists. And he also touches on our community as a whole, where he, he says it's not just confined to the Hollywood Hills, but in Latin America, we have a serious problem with white supremacists. And he describes how, quote, racism is taught at home to many Latinos such as racist sayings like marry someone with light skin to better the race. And, you know, I'm sure we've all grown up hearing those different things, but kind of hearing this entire conversation from from him, somebody who works in in entertainment, you're in front of the camera a lot as well. Uh, I mean, what's kind of your your take hearing that maybe even your own experiences in general?
3: Yeah, ooh, I have so much. Um, <laughs> I will start off by saying everything from the branding of Latinidad of mm-hmm. what the world depicts of latinidad what is marketed to the world to latin american music media Mm
4: -hmm.
3: politics all those industries and spaces Mm -hmm. they're all products of white supremacy and racism all of them Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i'll say that first as an experience as you know first as someone that works in these spaces my experience and just understanding that the first thing that we always have to take note of is like we're 33 countries. That's mm-hmm, 33 mm-hmm. countries filled with different cultures, ethnicities, races, different um, unique uh, ideologies. And we we come from the Caribbean, right? We're Caribbean, mm-hmm. where our parents come from the Caribbean. I have more yeah. in common with Jamaicans than I do with some sure. from Chile. The only thing that mm-hmm. keeps us tied under this big umbrella is probably religion and Spanish, mm-hmm. and sometimes our Spanish and even the same because we have our own dialect, our own slang. Right. And, you know, there's always this big running joke like, oh, when you hear a Puerto Rican or Dominican talk and it's just like, mm-hmm. they don't understand. You get know what I'm saying? So, right, right. Just in that, like, we understand that there's so many different uh, differences. But the mm-hmm. way Latinidad was branded, it really upheld white supremacy in a way that the closer you or the proximity you are to whiteness, the more chances you will get to be seen, to be visible, mm-hmm. um, to get opportunities. Um, have you ever heard of El Sistema de Casa, the color?
2: No, so, talk to me about that.
3: You know, in racism and everything that comes with the violence of racism, we all know that that shit's mm-hmm. global. Um, yeah. When you go to Latin America and you talk about this, the first thing they'll tell you is like, oh, that don't exist here. That's American shit. Like, that's the US. Mm. And it's not true. not true. Um, It's just that, in the US it was violent and we had actual laws. Like mm-hmm. here we had like laws where like a black and white person couldn't get married while sure. in Latin America they motivated the mixing of races not to like create unity but more to whiten the race, which is what mm-hmm. he taught he touches on. Um mm-hmm. to limpiar la raza to white to you know to create new breeds of lighter complexion um, family members. And that falls all under this case system. So what the case system was, it was literally a chart of, here we had the one drop rule, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In Latin America, and I I believe in India too, um, the system pretty much breaks down like the social hierarchy by Mm -hmm. your race and what you're mixed with. So, Mm -hmm. if if you were Spanish, white, you obviously fell high in the social hierarchy. If you were black, you were all the way in the bottom. And Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of names like mulatto, Lobo, Mm -hmm. Chino come from. Like a lot of words Mm -hmm. that we use in Latin America now literally come from that case system. So the Mm -hmm. more mixed you were, um, the higher you were in the social class, like the the more proximity you had to whiteness, um, Obviously, the social class, um, where, what type of job you would get. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was years ago, centuries ago. But like that still exists in politics. It still exists yeah. in, in, in media and in music. And, you know, when we think of genres like reggaeton, like I'm going to use reggaeton and hip hop. When you're in Anglo hip hop, like you hear black, you see you see black, right? Um, mm-hmm, oh, reggaeton, mm-hmm. that is black music and mm-hmm. there is no black representation at all mm-hmm. um right. like it's very very minimal and it's a constant battle when it comes to colorism because you see so many black creators constantly innovating and creating things and they're constantly told that their music is ghetto it's ratchet it can be included mm. in certain spaces but you'll have a white artist um not from a specific culture create mm-hmm. that and you know all the flowers are given to that person or they're like innovative or like you know sure so you see you see that happening a lot and it's always happens with black music but again um because media and music pretty much uphold those standards of the mm-hmm. system and the and colorism like that's reflected and seen on tele, in telenovelas in our shows right. and everything we grew up watching um and it's why even non-Latinos have a hard time understanding how mixed we are, you know, mm-hmm. why Black Latinos have a hard time navigating certain spaces and even, like, white, white, like, lat- Latina uh, Latinos being seen as, like, oh, are you Latino? Like, you look mm-hmm. white. Yes, we right. have white people. <laughs> we have <laughs> white people. Um, uh, we have Black people. Um, but in Hollywood, the way Latinidad was branded, it's, like, there are the white Latinos, but there are white Latinos with spice. You feel me? Like <laughs>
4: right, right. they have a
3: little bit of color.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Um. So, like, when they see someone that's probably, like, uh, the actor, the actress that we're we're seeing now, like Ana de Armas, is the person that.
2: Yeah. Love. From uh, from Blania, who we're we'll talking about her later. Yeah. Right.
3: And even the artist, uh, the actress from The Queen's Gambit, like, well, they're Latina. And yeah. You know, in Hollywood, they're they're most likely having a way easier process yes. in achieving and getting roles than someone else. But at the same time, they're, you know, the first thing people aren't thinking is they're Latina. They're right. white, you know, and yeah. Latina after. Um, right, whereas, right. Whereas when it's people of color or Black people that are Latinos, um, if they go into a space... The first thing that they're probably gonna flag is like you're, but you're black, you know?
4: Right, right.
3: Like you're not the Latino that we're looking for. So it's very complex Mm -hmm. when it comes to like, when it comes to what worlds of Hollywood or right talking about, and then like where we come from too. And I think he does such a great job with explaining everything. Yeah, I'm going on a rant, but I'm almost I'm almost done.
2: (laughs) No, you're good. You're
3: good. He does such a great job in um explaining. How it literally took a movie made by African-Americans to create Mm -hmm. this visibility because we don't have that visibility in Latin America. You know, it was made by by white directors in the U.S. It was made by African-Americans. And it's so crazy Mm how (laughs) um, the movie is (laughs) literally called Black Panther. But the real Black Panther movement opened the doors for so many Latino movements like the young Lord and I was going to say that the civil, the civil rights movement opened doors Uh for immigration policy. And it's just like, this is something that has consistently happened always like because of African Americans and what their organization, we have benefited so much of it. Mm -hmm. And when he made that no, I was just like, I'm so, I'm really, really grateful that he called that shit out because it's not like Oh, a Latino was intentional about creating this space because. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, when Latino director creates stuff, we're still seeing that colorism. We're still seeing yeah. that that problem. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, those were some of my thoughts.
2: <laughs> no, I I think you you hit on 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 so many so many different different things that I want to get into. Um, I I think yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. Like the remnants of everything we're talking about run so much deeper than just the United States of America. Right. Like, of course, there is a a problem in this country that has consistently upheld the idea of white supremacy. But even in Latin America, we've been poisoned by it because of essentially Christianity. Right. And, and what happened in Europe, you know, when you had the Spanish and and, you know, all of that was like, you know, the one drop rule existing in, in those days as well. And Trying to convert people to Christianity, and then if you're not, you know, if you weren't born Christian, you're still lower on that totem pole now, even though you converted, right? And all of that, like, has turned into the idea of the color of your skin, and we've adapted that in Latin America, where we have are our, our, hating ourselves essentially uh, because we're trying to abide by these these sort of white supremacist values that were created by uh, the, the colonizers and the European, you know, countries from from long times ago. Um, but I, I think, yeah, it, it is, it is really interesting uh I'll, I'll touch on that last point you brought up about this being a black movie that then invited latinos to be a part of the conversation right and it's it's also funny that we have so much i know we have the superiority comp- complex uh you know in our community about people's color of skin and all these different things and we would be that much stronger if we just decided to stop that bullshit and come together right and and people fail to to realize that. And I think the the Black Panthers with Young Lords, like that's a that's a great correlation to that uh as well. And I think when you talk about our community specifically, you know, to your point about like we're all incredibly different and maybe we just share the the same language, you know, and and probably food to a degree, right? Even though we might season it a little bit differently. There's there's a lot of foods that are pretty universal from all over, you know, the the diaspora um of Latinidad. But I think we, we exist in this really tough place in this country, right? Specifically, when we're talking about the, the U.S., where we have a very distinct identity from one another, right? That separates us, that creates elitism amongst our, our community, right? You know, uh, Puerto Ricans are naturalized citizens, so they might feel superior to anybody else, right? Because they're not, you know, having to worry about crossing a border or anything like that. We see it with You know, the Cuban community who, you know, many of whom in Florida are voting Republican and criticizing immigrants coming over. But, you know, whatever it might be. And we fall into this really difficult place of of, are we conforming to come together under one umbrella? Right. Are we giving up parts of ourselves or is it something we naturally kind of have to do in order to survive and have our voices heard collectively? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just think I think there's a lot of nuance to the things that you're talking about. And it's a lot of kind of difficult conversations that we we sort of have to um, have to navigate, you know. Um, and I think that we're kind of getting to the heart of why we haven't collectively had a really empowering movement in the same way that the the black community has. Right. The African-American community, I should say, you know, is because they can rally behind common causes. Right. Because they they share the same lineage, essentially. Right. From from being, you know, brought here from from africa against their will you know they all share in that same trauma that same pain and then you know everything that happened following that in this country and because we all have these different issues we're kind of uh you know finding it hard to support one another but then the us as a whole likes to blanket us into one one type of person as well right or if we're talking about hollywood to kind of bring it full circle they tell one specific story of latinidad right and it's oftentimes you know you, you'd see a lot of, you know, uh, Mexican representation, you know, Mexican uh, stories and also Puerto Rican because of, of things like New York, the proximity to New York City and those stories. Right. But we're forgetting about everybody else that exists in and that doesn't represent them. So it, it is a, a, a difficult thing to, to kind of navigate. Then It's like, where does our collective power sort of come from? And I'd be curious to kind of hear what your perspective is there as you bring up the fact that we all are incredibly different, uh, you know, culturally.
3: Yeah, I feel like what I will say, I think the the way the U.S. is so black and white in terms of Latin, uh-huh.
2: um, yeah.
3: they've never really understood even in music, they've just never understood what to do with Latinos. Like,
2: right, you know, right.
3: birth of hip-hop I like to say I'm Afro-Caribbean creative mm-hmm. shit because mm-hmm. it was Afro-Caribbeans from Jamaica, Bahama, Puerto Rico, like different places that created this entire movement. People don't talk right. about that. People say,
4: mm-hmm.
3: oh, there was African-Americans, there were Puerto Ricans, there were a few other mm-hmm. lat- Latinos. Like there was, there's so much labeling, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like hip hop is ancestral music. breaks sure. Everything that was created, those are all Afro-Caribbean um,
4: mm-hmm.
3: influences, even when it comes right. to like the break dancing and everything. Coming from right. and all that, like the entire yeah. movement was made from African Caribbean. When it came to the marketing, and yeah. at the time that the in, when the industry stepped into hip hop, they didn't know mm-hmm. what to do with Latinos. So
2: that's right. where like Latin freestyle was born because they were just like, right. yeah, like,
4: <laughs> and yeah. It, but
2: but also not not to cut you off, but it also we kind of did it to ourselves to a degree though, right? Because because we. I find so much shame in the African lineage of of Latinos. we're willing to give up our own history, yeah. just to not be talked about in the same sentence yeah. as as black people, right? I agree. So we're We're willing to not have our story told just because we it then separates us from from black people, which is absolutely fucking crazy to to even think about.
3: I completely agree because so much of the hip hop movement, relied on the civil rights movement it was storytelling. Mm-hmm. it it went hand in hand and a lot of that's i feel like that also played a huge role with us and it, it even in the caribbean conversation like mm-hmm. i think sometimes latinos from the spanish-speaking caribbean be like oh we're always left out but it's also like at the same time we have a lot of xenophobia and we keep ourselves yeah. out of that conversation as well where it's like again, one of the first things I said was I identify more with a Jamaican than someone from Chile or Argentina, like Mm -hmm. culturally everything. Um, But I feel like the labeling of what Latinidad is has never really found a place because we are so mixed. You get what I'm saying? Right. Like, So many Caribbeans and so many um, black Latinos are affected by police brutality. Like this is, you know, specific to it's just specific to black people overall, not just, you know, African-Americans. It's it's specific to black anybody.
2: Right. Well, even but even and even so to build off of that, even there because we're so. We can't be categorized. Right. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of studies that also show that police will say that it was a white person that they pulled over, but it was actually a Latino. Yeah. right? Because, yeah, we, we fought we in this gray area. So the, the numbers aren't actually accurate as far as like uh, police harassment or police yeah. brutality on like the Latin community. That's another thing to consider.
3: Yeah. Like it's it's very it's so this conversation is very nuanced in a yeah. way that it's like it's super interesting. I think that um i also agree that we can never get on the same page because of race because Mm -hmm. of the different communities that exist within latinidad i think the fact again i'm gonna go back to the branding like the entire Mm -hmm. branding created like this fantasy that we're all like united that we're we're all Mm -hmm. fighting for one another and like i lived in puerto rico in the dominican republic and i you know (laughs) i have my flag here Uh, (laughs) um super we come from spaces that we prioritize our nationality before our race mm-hmm. because mm. of white supremacy, you know? And yeah. If I hear the I know black I'm Dominic I'm Dominican joke one more time, I'm a <laughs> because ER
4: right.
3: is one of the blackest countries in Latin America. Yeah. Um yeah. does racism exist there? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Does xenophobia mm-hmm. exist there? Yes, it does. Um, But what's crazy to me is that somebody that's been studying this and also just traveling all of Latin America, the most violent racism I've experienced have been in other countries. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a type of of Blackness, Black joy that's created in the Dominican Republic that is struggling and can't be seen because of the way racism is spoken about here in the States. Um, Because yes, we come from a history of like literally forced colorism. We spoke about how historically we've been trained to think of like mejorando la raza, like a black and right. white person. I'm a product of that. Like I, mm-hmm. my grandparents are literally black indigenous, black and white. I'm a product of two light skins.
4: <laughs> right,
3: right. Um, and you know when you hear a lot of their older conversations, it, it really reflected on like what beauty standards or what they were trying to work towards. Um, right. And we come from that. And also like, because of like the disconnecting culture, when Dominicans come to the States, um, sometimes they look at African-American, when pe- they hear black, they think African-American, which they think another culture. That's, right, another, right. that's another miseducation that my people have. Because when mm-hmm. you're in the in the country, like they know they're black and they know, that they navigate as black people, but so mm-hmm. much of our history was taken away from us. Our black education yeah. was taken away from us, and mm-hmm. I think what, uh, or
2: shame in general, the shame from your own community yeah, it's makes shame.
3: You, I mean, the natural yeah. hair community is now having a moment, but like mm-hmm. you're discriminated against in DR if you have curly mm-hmm. hair. Like, there's certain places right. you might not even get into if, mm. if you have your afro out and stuff like that. Like, that exists, that's still there, right? Um, and when you think of like music, like so much of Dominican culture has influenced Latin music so much. When you think of merengue, when you think of the musical, mm-hmm. when you think of everything that's popping, but you're never gonna see like the pioneers or the people, the actual creators, like get their flowers as much as sure. the genres because they're black and because they're right. in a way that is looked down upon. You know.
4: Um, yeah.
2: Where yeah. was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> what. I mean, obviously, I and we could talk about this for hours because there yeah. is so, you know. And I, I think the last part about it that I would just comment on is what also makes it more complex is that those of us who grew up here in the states or were born here in the states also have a different layer of experience, yeah. right? So it makes it even more complicated. And I think if I can say, you know, the one thing that we can find common ground on is those of us who you know have grown up here in the states because when you do meet a a racist person or an uninformed person to them we're all mexican right like that like and you know so it's like this shared idea that we are lesser than and nobody actually cares about the nuance of it all and i think there is some unity in in that and then also you know speaking uh to what you, you were talking about you know like Latinos who are, are white passing right and we see them in in Hollywood and generally they're the ones who get the opportunity because they can play a multitude of roles right and don't have like we saw with um uh Anna the what is it Anna the Mars um who is who's playing Marilyn Monroe who we're gonna we're gonna talk about um yeah Anna de Armas but she looks as white as can be, right? If you didn't know her lineage, you wouldn't assume that she was Latino, right? And that has happened to, to me for, forever as well. That's what the general basis of this podcast is, you know. And I think it it is difficult to navigate in general because we've also been taught that if you claim your otherness, it means less opportunities, you know, in yeah. this country, in an in, in industry like Hollywood where... You know, there are only specific roles for uh people who are very obviously Latino, you know? Um and and it's just incredibly difficult to to navigate. I think to your point it is incredibly nuanced. I don't think we're gonna solve it all today. No, <laughs> but, <no>. but, uh, <laughs> but uh but
3: no, I thought we were just... like going all over when you ask questions because there's so many yeah. places I can start in.
4: <laughs> yeah. But
3: yeah. what I was gonna say, um, as someone that spent time in the caribbean i just i hope that we can just denationalize ourselves like i'm proud of my flag yeah but i don't think a flag is representative of an entire group and Mm
4: -hmm. what i will
3: say is you know racism exists everywhere discrimination exists everywhere but that's all because of elitism and white supremacy too Mm
4: -hmm. and
3: um you know i'm that's something that i'm slowly and just starting to kind of like really align with myself that I'm proud of being a spe- of being from a specific culture, but also having that understanding that we need to denationalize certain cultures to kind of get to a place of unity.
2: Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's, that's, that's beautifully said. I think there, there is a need for unity. A lot of the things we talked about today are the reason why we have a lack of it, you know, um, and, and hopefully more conversations like this begin to spark some sort of like way we could all kind of kinda come together and rally behind a, a common thing because it's just necessary right now. We're being left out of too many things. Yeah. I'm loving all we're talking about. I wanna wanna keep the conversation going, but I'm thinking now is a good time to take a little pause and uh and have a quick break and then we'll be right back. I often get
0: asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
5: Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. All right, we are
2: back. Now, Now, moving on to something slightly lighter here let's talk about Karen's real quick and uh, this is is a new service that is allowing people to hire Karens to deal with annoying issues and it's called uh, Karens for hire and they will handle any conflict that is within the confines of the law so they will call your bank and dispute uh, charges for you um, the service has apparently already attracted more than 2,000 clients and the testimonials on their website uh, are, are positive. Right. And one customer uh, working with them was uh, talking about a shady appraiser for their home. And their testimonial was, quote, when the Karen was done, the appraisal value raised forty thousand dollars. Without the help of Karen's for hire, I wouldn't have been able to refinance my home (laughs) and lower my monthly mortgage payment. They wrote in a glowing review. And it's also affordable. Uh, Karen's tasks will cost between 50 and 75 dollars. Uh, and they can be as little as ten dollars, while most max out at about a hundred dollars. Um, I mean, this is a nice way to put the Karens of the world to work instead of harassing us in the streets. Uh, <laughs> would, would you would you hire uh, a, a service like this?
3: Yes, yes, where women <laughs> pick up your sword. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm I'm quoting my friend Gatha. She's a historian, and um, mm-hmm. she loves saying that quote. And it's just like that was the first thing I thought of. Like, it you can. <laughs> If the best strategy to get things and save our time and energy is using someone's white privilege, yes, right. pick up your sword, fight for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the, the way you, you, you phrase that. Are you, are you somebody who uh, will argue like claims and, and like ask for the manager oh. and, and all these things?
3: I used to write letters.
2: <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's like, talk
3: about I, it. Do you guys have, where are you from? You from Jersey
2: or? Yeah. New York, I think, Andrews, so y'all yeah.
3: have wawa <laughs> <Yeah>. uh-huh. <laughs> like i would write letters to wawa and i'd get like checks in the mail because I was, what like yes i was that person like <laughs> i remember once i came from a club like at 3 a.m i was i yeah. really wanted my milkshake i wanted a mint <laughs> milkshake and it was just done so terribly like you see the syrup all over <laughs> the bottom and yeah. i sent of three paragraph email of how upset I was.
4: Wow. <laughs>
3: oh, and disappointed. <laughs> and how I was a frequent like visitor and I got
4: right.
2: $14 in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know what? I've never time, really... though. <laughs> Right. Well, but I mean that, that that's, that's worth it at the end of the day. I've never really been that person unless it's like a charge on my credit card and I will, yeah. Uh, oh, I've I've begin to done it with, do it with hotels. I've definitely e- sent some angry emails about certain hotels I've stayed at and gotten my points back for the, for the hotel. That's been my my new thing. But I didn't realize, like, even as as little as Wawa complaining about your milkshake, they're gonna try and make it up to you. That's that's impressive.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've always been, I I worked in the food industry. I worked in many food yeah. industries, so like I do have a level of empathy. Sure. Of, when it comes to like service, because I've been in that position. But it's like I was the only customer there. There was no excuse right. to make that nasty ass milkshake.
2: <laughs> right, right. I I I used to work in a movie theater when I was younger. So I did the same thing. You know, I was making the popcorn, serving all the drinks and the hot dogs and all that. So I, I definitely do have empathy. But yeah, there are certain things that are just inexcusable. You know, you, you have to have like at least some sort of standard, uh especially now that like you get I get you know, you're getting older and it's like this is my hard-earned money. If I'm coming exactly. here, I'm, I'm expecting a certain experience. I'm not trying to just give this shit away for no reason. Like, I want to be getting the experience that I thought I was, yeah. I was coming here for, you know? For
4: sure. Um,
2: but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Karen's for Hire. Check that out if you, you need somebody to argue on your behalf. Uh, and, and last thing I want to talk about here on the, the nonsense. Let's talk about the price of eggs right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have been posting the memes about, about eggs. Uh, not being able to afford them. So there was this this article, and I, I haven't, like I said at the beginning of the show, I haven't really bought eggs in a long time, so I was unaware of this, this phenomena happening. But I was doing some research, and there was an interesting article with Yahoo Finance and the Farm Action President, who goes by the name of Joe Maxwell. And they're talking about how egg prices have skyrocketed over the past year up to nearly 60%. And that's according to the latest inflation data. Now, this organization, the, the Farm Action, uh, is calling the, the FTC to investigate the egg industry. Now, what I found was, and I didn't know, the, apparently companies are claiming that there's uh, this thing called the avian flu that is killing their, their, uh, their chickens, essentially, right? And, and this person uh, from, from the Farm Action, the, the president, he says the avian flu is real. But the consumers know that in this country, something's wrong at the grocery store with a 138 percent increase in the price they're paying for eggs. And he says it's obvious to us when we look at the profit that these companies are making, which is over 960 percent, which is fucking crazy uh, that something is wrong. Yeah. And then go- goes on talking about the, the flu and he says 50 million laying hens did die from this flu. But from, And that's from 2021 to 2022. But he said that actually only reflects a loss of about 5% of the production eggs in this country. So it doesn't justify the 138% increase that we're seeing at grocery stores uh, and the 960% increase in gross profits for the largest egg producer in this country who has not even experienced one case of the avian flu. All right. That's a lot of a lot of crazy statistics, a lot of information to basically say that these people are price gouging the shit out of us yeah. and nobody is doing a damn thing to to fix it, to help out the everyday person. Right. And and then this is the shit that gets pushed onto like politics and the, the Republican Party will be like, oh, Joe Biden, blame for inflation, this, that and and. It's funny that nobody's pointing the finger at these giant corporations that are taking advantage of us. The same thing happened with gas. When, every, when the gas prices were going crazy, these gas companies were recording record profits, right? They weren't raising the price because they needed to. They were raising it because they knew they could because everybody was was claiming this you know, crazy gas shortage that was happening. Um, so again, it's just this, man, ca- the capitalist society that we live in has no problem taking advantage of the everyday person. Now, I do blame the government for not creating systems That protect us from this um but man it just is a sad it speaks to the sadness of i i guess man the world that we live in right now
3: yeah i'm gonna be real with you like my first thought goes into like the like the psychology of everything
2: sure Um,
3: because i mentioned earlier how like i grew up in my parents struggle era like i used to like you would talk about eggs and it, it was kind of associated even with like low income and poor. Mm-hmm. Like right. so sometimes a lot of Caribbeans, we eat rice with eggs <laughs> because yeah we're going through <laughs> the struggle, you know? Yeah. Um,
2: a lot of our food was made out of the struggle. It's <laughs> something like rice <laughs> and beans. It was cheap like it was and we can make it taste good. together. <laughs> right, right.
3: <laughs> but like now what I what I'm finding interesting is a lot of conversations on how like now eggs are kind of symbolizing how well you're doing now but like Mm. if you have eggs in your fridge you're doing well like you're not poor poor and it's yeah like it i i I saw like a tiktok of someone kind of talking about that and why like so many people are also panicking in it and i also mentioned like it just reminds me of like that toilet paper frenzy from like covid like yeah. <laughs> people going crazy for toilet paper. Like they needed to have right. toilet paper. And what's crazy right. about it, like the psychology of that was that like toilet paper symbolizes like you eating well because of like your digestive right. system. Right. So like <laughs> psychologically, people are like, We need toilet
4: paper.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, know. well it it it's I, I love where you're going so I want I wanna kinda pause on that for a second because there is this this thing for, for many of us who grew up a certain type of way or even if you just know about the history of our, our community, especially those who immigrated here with with, you know, not much to their name, the idea of taking care of yourself wasn't even like a thought in your mind. Like you're just surviving. Right. Yeah. And and it's it's interesting that like, you know, we, we keep getting brought to back to that place because of like the capitalist nature of of of, you know, our society and the fact that that's okay, right? The fact that it's okay for, you know, some people to be struggling to put gas in their tank, right? As long And, and nobody really gives a fuck if the, because the rich people are always going to be able to afford gas, right? The people yeah. who are doing well aren't going to be phased by the extra increase of $2 on an e- a carton of eggs, right? So nobody gives a fuck, right? We're all okay with this. Nobody is really sounding the alarm about the fact that these companies are price gouging the everyday person for no reason whatsoever. You know, we're, we're hearing about it. People are speaking about it, but nothing gets done because it doesn't actually affect anyone that matters, right? Anybody that really matters in the eyes of, of this country. And it just speaks to that, that mindset of the have-nots and, and the people who do have, right? And yeah. that until it affects that upper class of people, nothing will get done. And again, it's this very sad state of the world that, that we live in. It's a reflection of that. As silly of a topic as it is, it begins to to reflect that.
3: Yeah, no, that's a that's a really really good point, and it's like one of the first things that you said was just like, there's all this commotion, but nothing's actually being done. Like we're seeing right, we're seeing a lot of like the, the Twitter conversations and everyone mm-hmm. talking about it, but it's not nothing's being done. What's crazy is yeah. I read somewhere that four weeks ago, like eggs got to the highest peak, like it peaked to the price that it that it'll be. It's just it's gonna gonna mm. be like that for a while.
2: Wow and but it, but also what to my to, to my point what we're talking about as well the the last thing i would say on it is look at what the politicians are saying about things like this right they're using it as an opportunity to point fingers at the other side and say look what they're doing to you right they they the inflation is out of control because of the democrats and and joe biden and all these things when they're they're ignoring what the truth is of of the fact that these corporate companies are always finding a way and always giving a Given a free reign to take advantage of the everyday person, be it taxes, be it price gouging, whatever it might be, and and then you have people who are not well off being brainwashed into thinking that it's the fault of of you know the the powers that be, and and that's who you have to you know uh, fight against, and that's your your evil sort of uh you know person that you you have to be conscious of because they're trying to take advantage of you, and it's like we just keep pushing the blame around to yeah. everybody except for the people that are responsible. And it continues to speak to this idea, I say far too much, that politicians genuinely do not give a fuck about the people that they are representing. All they care about is staying in power and making their high-priced donors happy.
3: Oh, yeah. And this conversation really reminds me of, especially when you said the have and the have-nots, it's like the divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. We we spoke about it in the beginning, how like united, we would be even better. But yeah, because of divide and conquer, politically, like it's over-benefited the government, like making sure yeah. that we're all separated and not, separated, mm-hmm. they have always benefited off of that. And we come yeah. from, you mentioned like, we come from countries and, and parents that like, all they've known is survival, that it's literally in their mm-hmm. identity. Like,
4: right.
3: I have literally in la lucha tatted because, mm. um, that's almost like an automatic saying when people would say like, Oh, como estas? And you'd be like, en la lucha. Like,
5: right, right.
3: like. Like it's so yeah. embedded in us that, like, yeah, we're out here yeah. surviving and we're fighting, but um,
5: right.
3: to a point that does become like very toxic. And yeah, part of that toxicity is like we just become so ingrained in, like, oh yeah, we have to, su- we have to survive. We have to make sure, like, it's almost right. we normalize an anxiety it. of like, oh, we have to make sure that we have these eggs. <laughs> we have right. to make sure that we're looking out for us. The separation aspect, where it's just like mm-hmm. Latinos, but even within Latinos. Everyone is separated. That survival mentality. Yeah. To, like it, it gets like tighter and tighter. The the group as the group keeps revolving. Like you mentioned.
4: Sure. Puerto
3: Ricans having their own flight. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Mexicans having their own flight. And in topics like this, like that's when you really start realizing like how divide and conquer really works. Cause, because in reality, this is something that's really affecting low income middle class.
4: and. Yes. Just
3: keeps on
2: building. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't have to be that way. Like these companies are already making crazy money; their profit margins are yeah. ridiculous as it is. Like the CEOs are already rich; the yeah. elite are already rich, and it's it really just speaks to the ultimate greed that you're okay with watching people struggle while you're literally just fucking burning money away because you have too much of it. You know what I mean? Like you're looking for ways to hide it while other people are struggling, and again. Nobody gives a shit to actually help out the everyday person, yeah. and it's it's just really, really, uh, scary. And and you know, I mean, it's not anything new, but but fuck, it's 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 just crazy to think that nobody really cares. It's a it's a it's a scary, scary idea, and that's very depressing. So I wanna I wanna get into something that's a little more positive. I, uh, I wanna survive. So for, uh, <laughs>
4: right?
3: right wanna yeah. Survive. We, we're
2: all fucked. <laughs> what, what's the point? You know. Uh, but um. All right, so we're going to talk about somebody who is, is getting a nod here uh, for the Oscars, the only person representing, um, you know, the, the Latin community as a whole. So we'll talk about that in our gente segment. But first, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back.
6: I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there, I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
5: This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining,
2: All right, so this is like it's this is positive, but it also is another kind of like has a sad uh, undertone to it. But we have uh, Anna the Armas, who we, we've talked about a little bit in, in earlier in the show. She was uh, the actress who played Marilyn Monroe in the, the movie Blonde. She is the only Latino performer who is nominated for an Oscar this year. So. Of course you want to you got to give it up to to her it's a beautiful thing you know that she is is you know getting that recognition I, I would love to always be able to celebrate anybody from our community who is getting their flowers you know regardless of um there is a lot of kind of backlash about the way that she looks or if she represents whatever but it, it either way you know it's it's a beautiful thing to kind of see that nod and I think there are people nominated behind the scenes like behind the camera who are nominated for an Oscar which sadly is is great but it also doesn't mean that much right because these are people we never see nor hear about so of course you know they might be getting some some opportunities but um you know for what it's worth it's it's definitely something i think worth celebrating to see somebody getting that high praise on on something like the oscars um which i know you know some people i'm curious where you stand on this where some people might sort of say why do we even need that sort of validation um but but you know as, as artists i guess uh you work hard on your shit, and you want it to be recognized. But I'd love to kind of hear your perspective on it all.
3: Um, I'm still kind of processing this, but I will say is, um, first there was a comment that you made, and it was about mm-hmm. like the people behind the scenes getting. Yeah. Um, I think that's really dope because at the end of the at the end of the day, those people behind the scenes, like
4: mm-hmm.
3: once they keep going up the ranks, hopefully they'll be the ones that will be able to create. Yeah. A, more projects that have more diversity, you know, because
2: Fingers crossed, celebrating
3: the actress. Right. And Mm -hmm. I really think we should also be that same energy. We need to -hmm. definitely need to celebrate the producers or anyone that's Mm -hmm. getting um, nominated behind the scenes, because those are the people that are are most likely going to create that the the diversity that we need, unless this actress is intentionally making space for people that are darker Mm -hmm. than that. like her latinidad to me like it's just okay she's latina but at the end of the day when she walked into that space she was playing an american white woman right Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. like that's what they saw and it's not like it's something that's opening doors right like darker people and i say this as someone like i was a i was a casting call kid when i was younger
4: Mm -hmm.
3: and the reason i got into my work was because of like the racism that exists in that space you feel me like Mm -hmm. my parents Mm -hmm. were the kind that would like stay up and look at casting calls with me and my sister and there was this one time it was like a back-to-school commercial and Mm -hmm. um the the caption says something like the the description says something like oh caucasian girl nine to twelve something like that that was the first time i heard the word caucasian i didn't understand Mm -hmm. it like I was really young. I must have been like eight, and I I thought I saw Asian. So I was just like, is that a type of Asian? Like, I was really confused <laughs> right. by the word. And I was, and then my dad explained it to me. And I'm like, so, like, black at the time we used Hispanic. So I was like, so black and Hispanic girls don't go to school? <laughs> I'm like, right. that was the first thing I thought of. I was so pissed. I was like, why don't even white girls? <laughs> right, right. You feel me? And my dad was just like, I'm never going to forget that conversation because he literally like was like, you know, media is programming. Like my dad was also a journalist mm-hmm. and he was mm-hmm. like, communication, media, all these things. This is programming. If you let them think that you don't belong or that you have to be erased out of this, then that's what's going to happen. And like words have mm-hmm. power. So he pretty much low key like got me into writing because of that. Like he gave right. me this huge lecture, like, um, yeah. about things and you know, I always think about that moment because for so long so many, so many of us didn't feel seen. And it's because mm-hmm. of situations like that. Like, how are you building a back to school commercial and you asking for white girls, like
2: right. Go <laughs> school. <laughs> and- right, right. <laughs> Well, I mean, even the, one thing my, my girl and I joke about because she grew up watching the show, but like Sex in the City, when you watch it back now, it's like you made a show about New York City and there are no people of color in it. Yes. That is crazy. Yes. And nobody thought about that. It was wild.
3: Yes. And there was so much pro- like I was rewatching it. And I was like, Ooh,
2: yeah, there's a lot of right.
3: problematic things
2: here. <laughs> yeah but like hey but you don't even quit like i'm growing up i didn't question any of this shit right like it all just seems so fucking normal and to your point it's because media does program us right it, it, it it's so true yeah
3: it programs us to believe that be- and this is why I represent that conversation of representation is so important because a lot of people be like oh so like i need to see someone like me to even mm-hmm. i'm like yeah you do <laughs>
4: yeah right. that's how
3: you're gonna know like it's achievable when you're constantly being told that like mm-hmm. you're in, in in if you're constantly visually told right like yeah said actually word for word that you are not valuable and that yeah. your features or your looks don't matter that that's literally mm-hmm. what you're gonna believe like i came in a t- yeah i grew up in a time where like curly hair braids that's all seen as ghetto hoops were ghetto mm-hmm. so like those were respectability politics that i had to play into in corporate sure. um when i first started off like a 17 year old because it's just like i'm constantly being told like oh you don't look presentable
4: mm-hmm. and
3: those are things we're unlearning now but a lot of us come from a generation where we had to like play into that literally as as for survival
2: yeah no that, that's a fact and even if you are you know because a lot of people will who might disagree with this notion of diversity and inclusion and why it's so important. A lot of people will say, well, look at so and so. They are a black person, a Latino person, and they are successful. Right. So why can't you you just do that? And I think, sure, they're the they're the exception. But I, there's also this other level of do you know how fucking taxing it is to be the only person oh who is representing something right? Like the burden that you bear on your shoulders every time. You do what you do because you're the only person holding space in that kind of way. It's mentally fucking taxing. Right. So it takes away from from a bit of the joy of it. You know what I mean? It, it's like we have this extra responsibility that white people don't have. And I don't think that they realize oftentimes is that like I'm not only representing myself, but I'm representing Latinos as a whole now because I've been one of the lucky ones to take up space in a place that traditionally doesn't elevate people from my background. Right. So I bear the burden of representing an entire community of people, which as we started the show is they can't even agree on certain things within their own, you know, household, let alone. Now I have to bear the burden of being a good representative (laughs) for them. You know what I'm saying? So like it's fucking taxing in every way. And that's why diversity and inclusion are are so important.
3: Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I agree with (laughs) all (laughs) that.
2: And I, and, and I, I appreciate your your point. Uh, the last thing I'll say is like is honoring the, the producers and people nominated as well, because that is incredibly important. It is, um, you know, not something that should be glossed over because at the end of the day, it is people, like you said, who potentially could one day, uh, you know, create the opportunities that we're all looking for. But also historically, even behind the camera, Hollywood, I, it's something crazy. Like it might be like under 10 percent of people even behind the camera are of latin descent right so it's still something to be honored the fact that somebody from our community is living out their dreams even if it's not front facing in front of the camera so i I appreciate that um now let's get to you and 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 all that you do and all that you you might be working on i'm curious you know you've written and and hosted a ton of different things for a lot of you know really well-known publications what's uh what's kind of on your docket these days
3: yeah so a lot of my work focuses on el movimiento which is like Mm -hmm. literally all the genres under the black diasporic movement which is like Mm -hmm. dominican Dumbo, reggaeton light trap, bachata um Mm -hmm. a lot of like folklore music that's for example bomba um ballo stuff like that um and pretty much a lot of my work has to do with decolonizing like latin music but also storytelling Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty much known for a lot of, like, culture conversations on, like, navigating as a Caribbean Latina and, like, how to like mm. body politics, sexuality, oh. music, visibility. Um, but then also, like, I've worked with, like, all the big artists from, like, now, from, like, mm-hmm. old school, La Vieja Escuela. And I'm constantly mm-hmm. bringing, like, the intersections of, like, the parallels in hip-hop and mm-hmm. dance on, like and like all, like literally just storytelling, like how all these things came to be. Um, mm-hmm. These days I'm working on a lot of like Dominican based conversations because there was such a need of like storytelling, especially with Dominican them being like very, very popular now. Um, mm-hmm. I've been considered like a music historian because I was the first one to storytell like the, the timeline of it and pretty much give visibility uh on those conversations and like the hand it all on the international Mm -hmm. u.s latin level so a lot of my focus right now is making sure that i'm kind of creating bridges for for black dominican artists and also like storytelling these things Mm -hmm. um so there's gonna be a lot of cool shit coming up this year like a lot of storytelling
2: i love it i love that so much i'm I'm curious. One one question I want to ask you because you you bring up uh, Dominican Dumbo, right? And you have a song like "Titi uh, ti me Perugunto," right, from Bad Bunny, which is a, a gigantic song right now. It's even getting played on like hip hop stations here in New York City. Do you feel like that helps the movement of of exposing the artists of that genre because it's very obvious a you know it, that that is a, a song that is based off of Dominican music, right? the the tempo and and all that stuff do you think that it helps elevate you know other artists from from the dominican republic or does it kind of are people sort of responding to it thinking like it's just a bad bunny thing what's kind of been your experience with that
3: so i actually wrote the review of the album for pitchfork check it out Mm -hmm.
4: (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Stop
2: promoting>. <laughs> <laughs> a little
3: yeah you go, a little uh, i like it, a little plug that. um i'm a big believer of multiple realities existing at once we mentioned the mo- like multiple times throughout the interview like nuance right sure um i like to navigate in a way where it's like i love celebrating but also making space for critiquing like i love that album
4: mm-hmm.
3: i think yeah. it's a very like caribbean diasporic album we needed it for like joy mm-hmm. We're coming out of yeah. we're coming out of COVID like we just needed yeah. joy, right? Mm-hmm. My biggest problem is and the way he did it the first time was the right way. He made space for Dembo by bringing in a latva in that romana. He was very intentional. Sure, he was super intentional. Like for, for mm-hmm. siempre, he only had one Latino in that album, and that was a latva on a Dembo mm-hmm. track co-produced by you know, Tiny's half Dominican, Child is Dominican. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very intentional. Now he's on sure. a different level where he's known globally. He has a whole lot of white privilege. He has mm-hmm. the only support because, you know, in hip-hop, multiple rappers from different regions can exist at the same time and are given their flowers. Mm-hmm. But in the sure. Latin space, when it comes to Ur- Urbano, which I'm trying not to use that term, but El Movimiento, like, mm-hmm. they only make sense for one person. Like there could only be one at a time.
4: Right. right. So,
3: you know, you're in a space where it's like you're getting all these flowers and it's like with so much because it's not Titi me pregunto. It's it's so much it's so many tracks that has like Dominican influences but also jargon and slang that is constantly looked Mm -hmm. down upon in Latin America because to everyone else our Spanish is ratchet and ghetto. You get what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? So you're highlighting Mm -hmm. a lot of things from our country and you didn't even have one artist one artist in that album yeah one. yeah and he had to, I, he to a good do point. it like he had a lot of artists from different places yeah you know i feel like and i, I think
2: he recorded part of it in the dominican republic yeah, if i'm after, not mistaken the
3: album was create was created and like you know there was a few yeah. like things like equal crazy saying but like how dope he got how dope would it would it have been that that first dominican Dumbo grammy would have been received by another dominican too like that, mm. that space could have been created if he would have just said like oh let me bring on chimbala or somebody that is also popping because the thing is right. like again this industry is racist mm-hmm. um el alfa what el alfa has been able to do these past few years no one takes mm-hmm. note of it like the things he's been
2: yeah 100
3: the, the type of support he got hip-hop mm-hmm. supporting his ass like yeah, It's really hard for a lot of people on the Latin side to get that type of support. Right, right. Getting that support, that visibility, that, you know, Rosalie,
2: he played Madison Square Garden. Like, he headlined Madison Square Garden, which is, is huge, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, but, yes. Yeah.
3: Like, there was a lot of space for, for things to be seen and to be um, recognized a long time ago. Like, because you mm-hmm. go to these functions where these mm-hmm. awards are being held and between breaks and their after parties they're playing black music they're playing them mm-hmm. both they're playing mm-hmm. you you hear the music but when right. it comes down to who's getting that visibility and who's being celebrated you never see that and that's always mm-hmm. been like a problem and when it comes to like like it would have been great if he would have included a dominican black artist he mm-hmm. got that Grammy. They would have both gotten that Grammy. That's how you get right. visibility, you know. Like, yeah. and that's kind of like where I lie at. Um, and if you want,
2: so I mean, to to play devil's advocate, because mm-hmm. in the in the video, he is sort of giving praise to the M- Dominican community of New York City, yeah. right? There's, right. So I I think people will argue back with that. I think what you're saying is that's sort of like the bare minimum that somebody is doing, and and you'd expect somebody to do a little bit more. Uh, if they're truly about the culture.
3: Yeah, I think it's more, to me, it's more systemic. Like, if you really bought it, mm-hmm. like, be about it. Like, that's where I'm coming mm-hmm. from, because, gotcha. um, like, what's, what's hard to take is the fact that, like, it's not just him. You know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. put all this weight on one person. I'm always sure. go back to the industry. Rosa Diga, mm-hmm. uh, Bad Bunny, everyone, always, there's always going to be one that exists like that. There's always going to mm-hmm. be an artist that is able to bring certain sounds But because their Mm -hmm. proximity to whiteness or whiteness, they're going to be able to be accepted. But it's it's them understanding how much space they're taking and whether or not like they're willing to create space for the actual black creators of those cultures mm-hmm. and genres. Like it's the politics of everything, you know? And sometimes it's sure. not enough to, for it to just be visibly seen. Like, are these people being, mon- like are they monetizing off of it?
4: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
3: If you are making hella bread off of these tracks then the creators are living terribly, like that's a problem. Um, yeah.
4: And I'm not Good saying point.
3: like El Alfa's is living terribly, but like he could have gotten yeah. in any carajito that was like popping in the yard and made, Right, make right. space for a lot of other people, um, that would have been a great opportunity. And and I said that in my, I said that in my review that it was a missed opportunity. I did appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that, like, he's made a lot of space for Diane El Pachao. Like, he's the guy mm-hmm. that composed and made the muñeco for Después uh, de la Playa. Like, he brought him out mm-hmm. on tour. So, like, that's something that is worth celebrating. But mm-hmm. we have so much to pro- progress as, um, mm-hmm. as a community. And the thing is like, there's always this idea of like, oh, but they're opening the doors. And I'm like opening the doors for what, like, we've constantly seen mm. this throughout all our lifetime. Like I'm a bring, right. merengue, for example, um,
4: mm-hmm.
3: when you think of Merengue in the States, the first people that you think of are the white Latinos, like Olga Tan- right. Long, you never think of like, Johnny Ventura, Millie mm-hmm. Quezada, like the black artist that right. really had hold in the way. And it's not to take away from the work that I, from the latter, like they have sure. done very important work, but who's given that visibility. And when you're on mm-hmm. in award shows that everyone's watching, they're seeing these shows as an authority. So yeah. what their intaking is, oh yeah, they're the this is the representation of merengue. This is what mm-hmm. bachata is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. I would I would so be down for that argument if they have proved if they can prove it with a different handle from the past. Because it's, it's mm-hmm. the blancamiento of this music, of music in Latin America. It's a consistent reality. Sure. And it's it's the same story just being repetitive. And I think that's why this conversation It has intensified so much, especially Mm -hmm. this year. Um, Right. Because one thing that, and this is the last thing I'm going to get to, I know I'll be right.
2: (laughs) No, you're good. You're good.
3: One thing that the George Floyd Floyd time proved was that Mm -hmm. Latin America did not give a fuck about racism until it became Mm -hmm. a social issue that was being Mm -hmm. pushed by the, like, that made huge movements in the US and started getting in the way of dollars. Okay, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. and that's something that I can say confidently as someone that navigates that space, that knows the type of comments that were being made that day. This was not something that people people were checking for or cared for. So it's like Mm -hmm. now you see like certain approaches to things, but it's like we don't even know if it's a gimmick or if it's just to box something off. So someone's Mm -hmm. dollars isn't affected. You feel me? Um, Yeah. So. I love that track. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good, it's good. I love that track.
2: It, you, um, yeah. I,
3: I really wish, though, and that's what's always going to bring, like, the but, it's the and butt type of thing.
2: Sure, so sure. I really
3: wish he would have included uh, a Dominican artist and as mm-hmm. someone that navigates the space and seen, like, the struggle that that community has and also, like, mm-hmm. the resistance and the discrimination that exists in the industry like it's just tiring yeah it's tiring it's tiring seeing these people use these movements and like not include the artists or like making sure that they're good
2: yeah no I, i i get it you know i think that you know it's good to have this critique right i think people can just be like listen can we just appreciate it for the greatness that it is why do we have to keep finding something wrong with it but i think you're you're right you know is that we need to keep learning to do better because we haven't done you know the right thing historically, right? So we need to keep having these conversations, as uncomfortable as they are, to push ourselves to learn and to be better for each other. At the end of the day, right? And uh, and yeah, I, I think you know even because I, I, what I was kind of talking about, and and you answered, but like it's the idea a lot of people would say, like okay, well he's exposing people to a genre of music they may have never heard otherwise, right? And then they say the trickle down effect will be. Somebody now hears this song, they they learn about uh thembo, and then they want to hear the other artists from it, right? But we live in a world where he doesn't have to do the trickle down effect anymore. He can just open the fire hose and exactly. let people really see the real thing, right? So I, I think that that is a fair a fair critique. Also, just coming came to pop uh you know into my head was how dope would it have been to see somebody like Tokisha on that track yeah. giving the females perspective, especially because they reference the difference between yeah. when like your aunt would ask you know. A boy if he had girlfriends and if a girl you know claimed she had a bunch of boyfriends it was looked down yeah. upon like yeah. that would have been a really dope dynamic as well i think to to kind of have just the, yeah, I and the I music feel like for and so long
3: i think what a lot of dominicans like what we were thinking well you know mm-hmm. i didn't really think of this but a lot of dominicans did have like this space held this space mm-hmm. of like maybe he's holding it for a remix you know <laughs> like, right, right right, right. Let's not uh, all too crazy because a lot of people a lot you know, a lot of my critique, surprisingly, Dominicans are against it. Like they're just like, Girl, why are you fucking this up for us? (laughs) Like (laughs) you know, like they are unless like they understand the dynamic and like again, Mm -hmm. they don't navigate the industry the way I do, um and people see things the way I do. And it's a conversation that slowly, like, I've been kind of building a bigger tribe on and people are starting Mm -hmm. to understand and and get the idea. But it's, like, it's not something that is, like, always heavily supported. It's just, like especially from Dominicans on, on the island. Like, the difference with ideology and the way that, like, dominicans here are just like yeah i'm kind of fucking tired of everyone making our music but our people never get to be celebrated in these spaces sure. compared to like dominicans in that space like yo we just want to have a seat in the table can you relax
2: right right
3: you know it's like it's very yeah. it's very crazy and a lot of people in dr had this idea of like yo maybe he's gonna drop a remix you know let's mm-hmm. let's let's calm down <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't, yeah, Sandy, I don't think that remix is coming. No. Uh, <laughs> <I
4: don't,
2: laughs> doesn't look like it, that remix is coming, but uh, I really appreciate your perspective and, and you hop on the show. I, I, I really enjoy having, uh, you know, these different nuances and different perspectives, you know, even that that are obviously going to be different than what I've experienced. You know, right. I love to to be able to learn and see where I'm falling short and, and try to apply, uh, you know, being better at the end of the day. So I appreciate you you coming on here. Uh, where can people follow you and keep up with all that you're doing?
3: Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Jennifer Montaval, um, and then you can follow my website. Is Jenny Monta J E N N I M O T A dot com? Um, and yeah, I'll be pretty much posting life as I go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the course. conversation too. Like it was. You know, these conversations
2: could be mentally draining, but it was (laughs) fun. Good, good. I'm glad I I try to find a a healthy balance.
4: Yeah,
2: (laughs) man. Big shout out to my guest this week. Jennifer Mota for hopping on. Love the conversation and all that she's doing and been working on. Absolutely amazing stuff. And now let's hear from y'all. Get your take on one of the stories that we discussed today. And we'll do it in our Ask a Gringo segment. But first, let's take a quick break,
7: and then we'll be right back. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey, everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24 7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tudor Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tudor shows wherever.
1: Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
5: This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment
2: All right. So for this week's Ask a Gringo segment, I uh, I wanted to get your take kind of on this Karen story. We're doing something a little bit lighter. Uh, we'll, we'll have some fun with this one. I know we are running a little long on this episode, so I'm going to read just a couple of the answers that I got. But my question was, are you the quote, I'd like to speak to a manager type. Tell us a story. And uh, this is based off of the Karen's for hire story. We found out that Jennifer, my my guest, is the uh, I'd like to speak to a manager type. So I wanted to see if anybody else out there is that. I'm gonna read a couple over here. Let's see. Um, at Adri Reeve 94. Uh, uh, oh, Adri Reeve 94. Maybe Adrian Rivas 94. I'm gonna guess. Um, no, they say I worked retail and dealt with those people. It sucks. So I'm always understanding. Yeah, I think. I think it's a healthy balance, right? Because, like I said, I, I had worked at a movie theater for a very long time and dealt with a lot of assholes and a lot of people that would be considered Karens these days who just want to complain about, you know, anything and everything. I also worked in retail at Guitar Center. So I I heard a lot of complaints, even though I was I was more behind the scenes handling like money and inventory. But I, uh, I, I've heard my fair share of complaints is what I'm trying to say. And, and at the same time, I've also, you know, i've been on the other end of a complaint so yeah i do get and and i do feel bad for people in those environments who are oftentimes set up to fail um and you're you're not you know in a, a a great position where there's so many different things going on you're probably stretched really thin so i do have a lot of empathy but there are i think i feel like bare minimums of just like listen i'm paying for a service i expect at least you know the, the bare minimum to be met i expect you know if i'm there to to have a certain meal or or an experience like i should at least be able to get that experience that i spent my hard-earned money on and right? and i'm not going to belittle anybody or try to get anybody in trouble but listen if i'm spending my hard-earned money and and people are just fucking slacking for, for no real good reason then then i have a problem of course taking into consideration if it's like crazy busy at let's say at a restaurant and like maybe the the waiter or waitress isn't super attentive i would never i would never call the the manager on something like that regardless even if even if it's like an empty thing and i feel like the waiter or waitress is slacking i wouldn't call the manager on something like that you know uh but but you know certain situations definitely i think you got to you got to check people at Elizabeth underscore ZR says, only when it affects my daughter. Example, Starbucks not doing kid temperature on kids hot chocolate. That's fair, right? Because that's actually a, a dangerous situation if they fuck that up. But I have a special bone to pick with, with Starbucks. Starbucks lives in a, a special place in hell in my mind. Especially, there's one around around me here where I have the studio and and I, I refuse to go at this point, but like I'm a big I'm a Dunkin Donuts person at the end of the day. That, that's my my whole thing. I like basically any other place aside from Starbucks, but I love Dunkin Donuts. But my girl is is a big Starbucks fan. So there have been times where just to make her happy, we'll drive to the Starbucks that's that's in the area. And they have like a, a drive through. And actually, I think that they only have the drive through open. They don't even bother opening the doors certain days. And. When I tell you I sat in this drive-through line that was probably only about 3 or 4 cars including my own for probably 45 minutes just to get two coffees. So, and I didn't complain actually. I I just made a decision I'm never going back there. So I feel like I'm more probably that type of person. I didn't write a letter to corporate because I think that's absolutely ridiculous and when you would, i would watch the orders coming out in front of me of the cars and they were just coffees there was no real reason why it should have taken that long um you know for for starbucks to to handle this drive through uh order of about four people by the time i left it was like 10 cars deep because of how long it took and then there's no there's no like panic exit you know what i mean uh which i think every drive through should have like uh where you, if you're halfway through and you've just been sitting there for too fucking long there's like a little you know a little little exit that you can just get the hell out of there if it's been too much for you Chick-fil-A needs to have that as well the drive-thru is ridiculous um but but yeah I'm not the type to to call the manager on something like that even though I feel like corporate should know about how shitty this Starbucks is um I I'm just refusing to go and and I feel like maybe I've also uh, after that experience convinced my girlfriend to be team Dunkin' Donuts so we we're, we're, we're winning right now but man I hate Starbucks so much for for a multitude of reasons but particularly this one that is near my studio I I uh, I absolutely hate. It. Anyway, moving on. This this isn't <laughs> this is it uh for me to pick a bone with, with, with Starbucks, my local Starbucks, I should say. But man, that's uh that's it for our Ask a Gringo segment at DJ Dramos on Instagram. You want to be a part of these conversations. And now uh let's quickly tie everything we talked about today in a neat little bow in a segment we call conclusion stew.
4: Time for conclusion stew.
2: All right, so we we we, man, we we went in depth, especially on on this topic. And again, big shout to my guest this week, Jennifer Mora. But we talked about, you know, uh, man, there's a serious problem with white supremacists in in Hollywood. Uh, Tanoch uh, Huerta from from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, was was talking about this, and he also mentioned, you know, the the internalized racism that we have in the Latin community as a whole, the colorism that we've all. Heard you know, we know about uh, historically that that has happened. And uh, I, I love the kind of the nuanced conversation that this led to. And I know we were bit all over the place. So I apologize for anybody who um, who may have found it hard to follow or like maybe felt like we didn't have closure on all the things we were talking about. It, it's obviously something that, you know, it's not going to be solved in a day. And there's so much nuance to our community and things that hold us back from being a really strong united front. And and I just think it's important to keep having these sorts of conversations, you know, and 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 being able to kind of recognize where we are, where we came from, Um, but but also I think the one thing that's really coming to mind that we talked about that I thought was really powerful was that when I when I often talk about how our histories is erased and it's by design and and how we're written out of the history books, that's absolutely true, but there's also a caveat to that where we're also our own worst enemies because we hide a part of our history because we would rather be ignored and not spoken about than acknowledge the the black and African contributions that have been made to to our culture, right? And the perfect example that, that Jennifer was talking about was hip hop, you know, and and us sort of writing ourselves out of the the conversation of that history, um, especially when you talk about the early earlier roots that she was talking about just because it is centered around blackness and and the the you know uh the 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 african ancestry of of our of our culture and right? and we'd rather figure out ways to forget about that and even if it means erasing our own stories as a result we we value that as more important in the past which is absolutely ridiculous if you think about it but it just goes to show how strong the the racism is and 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 has been in our community right I think that of course there is you know the historical white supremacy and colonialism is is the overarching blame for this but we also have to come to a point where we take responsibility for it and just stop the nonsense you know and I think our generation is is beginning to move in that direction and and having these conversations and and holding ourselves accountable and holding the previous generations accountable but you know there's a lot of work to do, a lot of pain to be healed, and a lot of history that needs to be uncovered um, that, that sadly we buried away for, for no real reason whatsoever. Now, moving on to Karens for hire. I, I, I think, listen, the the less Karens that are out there uh, harassing us in the streets, the better. So if they want to sit there and, and get their, their anger at the world uh, off while, you know, uh in the form of of helping me get what i need from uh my my local bank or something like that i'm all for it i would i would hire a a karen to do some good in the world um they 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 owe us and uh talking about eggs and all that stuff i know it sounds like a silly conversation cuz we're just talking about eggs but again i think it the the thing that i take away from that conversation is that it showcases nobody gives a shit to, in, enough at least nobody gives a shit enough to actually make any uh, substantial change until it affects the elites of this country right and because the elites of this country have no issue paying a few more dollars for a carton of eggs or a few more dollars for uh you know some gallons of gas it doesn't affect their everyday life it doesn't change anything for them the 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 powers that be aren't really going to pay attention or actually implement any real change you know because they They historically, since the inception of this country, you know, do not give a fuck about those who are in a in a disadvantage, right? the 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 notion of our of our country is, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, and they're basically saying, like, you know, uh, well, if you are suffering and and you don't like the way things are, just work harder so you can become one of the elites who doesn't get affected by this stuff. And that's such a fucked up way to think about our country, the people. You know, it's uh, immoral you know to to say that you know uh, in order for you to get any sort of care and to be treated as a full human being you need to figure out a way to make yourself elite and that's kind of what we've been taught in this capitalist society so sadly things like this are an example where it's very obvious that these companies and these supermarkets are price gouging us the everyday person but because you know the elites of this world aren't going to bat an eye at it you know it's not a priority for our politicians to to run in and and fix right even if we're talking about it we're we're you know we're not uh, seeing any real change, and that's the, the 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 irony of it, right? Because you know what's sad is that a couple extra dollars of a gallon for gas for somebody who's already struggling, you know that makes a real difference for them, right? That that makes it a scary question of whether or not they can make it to to work that day, right? You know if somebody who's living paycheck to paycheck, or somebody who is you know in that same situation trying to buy groceries for their their family, you know having to make that decision. If they want to buy eggs, they now have to leave something else out of the cart because it's just too expensive. Right. But again, the elites don't have that problem. So sadly, the people in power don't actually give a shit uh, enough to investigate this and, and make any real change. Right. Or at least do it in a time period that is quick enough that that, you know, not too many people get affected by it. Right. Because maybe they'll they'll address this further down the line, you know, when it becomes such a glaring issue that they can't uh, look away from it anymore. But it's not on their priority list. And it's it's really sad. It speaks to the difference of the haves and the have-nots in this country. Now, on a more positive note, uh, you have uh, Ana de Armas getting uh, the Oscar nod for the movie *Blonde*. She is the only, the only Latina, only person of Latin representation in general, I should say, nominated for an Oscar. And she's actually the first Cuban to be nominated for a leading role at the Oscars as well. I'm reading an article, Andy Garcia was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He's Cuban. He was the first one. So she's the first Cuban to be nominated for a leading role, which is a, a beautiful thing. But I love the, the comment that Jennifer made about the people behind the scenes, right? Because I was willing to, to look you know, over, over that aspect, right? Just like a lot of people, you know, because we see what's in, in front of the camera. But she's absolutely right. These are the people that potentially could be the ones that that implement that change that we want to see, because when they get accolades like this, one, it opens the doors for them to get opportunities and hopefully they continue to to open the door for for the rest of us. Right. And, you know, it, it, it's it's easy to kind of look past that, but in an industry where the percentage of Latinos, be it in front of or behind the scenes, is incredibly, incredibly uh, small. You know, it's important for us to, to celebrate everybody who, who who gets this this nod because they're all doing the work. And and they're all, you know, uh, whether they're doing it on purpose or not, taking up space that hopefully opens the doors for more Latinos. So I want to give them their flowers as well. So I just want to quickly read some of the other nominees. You have the movie Argentina. Nineteen eighty five is nominated for Best International Feature Film and it's directed by Santiago Mitre. You also have Guillermo del Toro, nominated for Best Animated Feature Film for Pinocchio. You also have uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish from, from DreamWorks. And that's uh, starring Antonio Banderas and Sam Hayek, nominated for Best Animated Feature. You have Bardo, uh, False Chronicle of A Handful of Truths. And it is um, from the Mexican director Alejandro G. In Artito, and I'm sorry if, I'm, if I fucking butcher that. And then you also have apparently the saying the singer and actress Sophia Carson who is Colombian may perform at this year's Oscars as she is the voice behind Diane Warren's nominated song Applause from the movie Tell It Like a Woman. Okay? So I always love anybody who can point out things to me that I'm falling short on. So I really do appreciate uh appreciate Jennifer saying that cuz I I do agree. I think it's it's it is frustrating because you you know the representation and when we talk about seeing yourself in others you know it's always going to be the person in front of the camera that that gives you that but at the same time anybody who wants to work in the entertainment industry film and film and tv whatever it is uh and, and maybe it isn't trying to be an actress like these people are are other are going to be the ones that they look up to right and again on a grander scale you hope that these people getting this sort of uh recognition and honor and and sort of you know, co-signed by their 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 peers. You hope that this gives them the opportunity to open the doors for for others, right? And that's what's uh, in- incredibly important is that we continue to, you know, kind of pass the baton down. And quickly on that topic of of Bad Bunny, I think it's really important that we are even able to critique the artists that we love and the people that we love, right? Even in our own personal lives, and and uh, we critique them not because we want to put them down, but because. We want to inspire them to become better. And I think we should all be like that. And we should all surround ourselves with people who push us to to be better versions of ourselves because they truly love us, right? And yeah, I want to just make sure that, you know, we we weren't, it wasn't Bad Bunny Slander. Uh, that's what I I want to make sure I clarify. I think it's saying, of course, what he created and has done is amazing. He's an incredible artist, an incredible representative for the Latin community. But uh, as with all of us, myself included, we can have blind spots and we we need to be lovingly shown them and 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 hopefully we can grow and become better and and apply the things that we've learned to um continue to just become more evolved human beings and better representatives for our community. I know that's what I strive for and I'm sure people like him him do as well. So that was kind of I feel like the overarching sort of synopsis of that conversation of, of the, the thesis I should say of that conversation. Now, with that said, thank you once again to my guest this week, Jennifer Mota, for hopping on. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. Remember, to check out my other podcast, The Street Stoic, Monday through Friday. Short, like 10 to 15 minute inspirational podcast, combining hip hop lyrics and quotes with uh, stoic philosophy. You know, just meant to kind of like give you that extra shot of inspiration to start your day. A quick little one, two punch is what I've been calling it. You got that podcast kind of when you're up and getting ready. And then you throw this one on when you're maybe commuting to work or, you know, doing whatever you're doing throughout the course of your day. So check that out. Like, review, follow it. All that stuff really, really does help out as we're trying to build that one up as well. And thank you so much for checking out, uh, man, this podcast. I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my birthday weekend. Thank you to everybody that has, has, you know, given me some some birthday wishes. I feel loved. I really do appreciate you guys so much. And uh, I'll catch you all on Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, have an amazing weekend. And stay safe. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of the Michael Tura Podcast Network and iHeartRadio.
7: There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most... State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
5: This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment